You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We ask that as we speak through your word, that, Lord, you would anoint it specially. We thank you for the breaking of yokes. We thank you for anointing to speak, to preach, to teach. We thank you, our Father. God's people shouted a big amen. A huge amen. Let's put our hands together to celebrate Jesus. All right, all right. Hallelujah. Amen. Good, good, good. Um, if, you, if you welcome the person next to you already, hello, hello. Tell them your name. Tell them your name. Go ahead. Tell them, this is not my real face. This is my church. This is my Sunday face. This is not how I look on Monday morning in Lagos traffic. This is my Sunday face. This is, this is as good as it gets. Huh? Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, everyone, for coming to church this beautiful morning. Okay. Um, just a bit of housekeeping. I'm really in a, in, a, in a good place this morning. Very happy kind of mood. So I need to kind of gather myself together to be able to preach. All right. Um, just a couple of housekeeping things to mention. Um, we've got a very special privilege of having uh, a guest today. Um, um, he's director of youth ministry at Jesus House in London. Um, and also the provincial pastor um, within the RCCG churches in the UK. He oversees quite a number of parishes in South East London. Uh, could we make welcome to Life Point Pastor Bajo Akinsoe? Okay, could we please welcome you? Thank you so much, sir. It's a huge honor. It's a huge honor to, to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I feel a very strong sense of connection with the city of London. I've just been asking God, would you not send me? Would you, <laughs> would you not send me, Lord? <laughs> Let's see how, how that goes. Um, if you're here for the very first time, thank you for coming. Let's put our hands together to celebrate. Everyone would, would welcome you very specially as the service goes on. Uh, my name is Idris. I'm the resident pastor here at Life Point. Um, and we thank you so much for coming. If you're here for a drive, thank you so much. Welcome. Um, welcome. God bless you. God bless you. By the way, during the week, I had the opportunity to call one or two people. And I go, oh, my name is Idris. And I go, P.I. I'm like, no, my name is Idris. You know? Just feel free to call me Idris every so often. I don't want to get... <laughs> I became a leading bank gang. But let me tell you what it is. It's that I just feel that my personality is disappearing under this whole PI something. That's not how they know me in Benin, all right? <laughs> my name is Idris. So just every now and again, just feel free to call me Idris. Just remind me of who I am. I don't want to believe this hype, all right? Um, we spoke last week about the course on dealing with depression. It's a five-series uh, course. Uh, I said to us, we got the material from Holy Trinity Brompton in London. Uh, we're also piloting the course, by the way, and, and they were very gracious to share it with us. And starting this Friday, okay, um, if you've registered already, you'll get the communication. If you've not registered for that course, uh, please do register. It's, it's, a, it's a big deal in our generation. Um, and there are a number of reasons why people are depressed. And, and you don't have to be, you don't have to know that you're depressed. You just need to know that you want to be happier to attend this course. You know, you, you know people who are clinically depressed, who have depressive episodes. 
it's five Fridays. Let's spend them together. I've looked at some of the materials, and it's really nice. We, we trust God. The Bible says He gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise, instead of the spirit of heaviness. Okay, um, so please come Friday. Starts this Friday. So if you're not sure about it, why don't keep the first class a shot? Okay, I will take that first class myself. Friday um, at six thirty. What's it? Seven o'clock. I think it's better. Seven o'clock to eight thirty. All right. We trust God for a great time. Um, this very quickly, something I've always wanted to do. This young lady here, who I've always wanted to recognize. Would we just, oh God, would you please come? Come, come. And I don't, I, I know this is very odd, but but she's gonna shoot me later. <laughs> okay. Um, now, when I say I have children, it's not a lie. <laughs> this is one of them. <laughs> She came to Life Point with us this morning against her wishes. <laughs> but I just wanted to, you to see what it feels like up here and the church to see her. She's one of the reasons I'm extremely happy in life. All right. All right. You can, I just wanted to say hi. <laughs> okay. That's all. Ogo is my young, our youngest daughter. Um, Ogo and I contributed jointly. <laughs> um, focus. We need to finish this message on time. Alright. Um, um, the last thing, this one I do with a lot of joy. Oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to preach. John 13, I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach very quickly. But this one I do with a lot of joy. Ever so often over the last couple of years. In fact, when we started LifePoint, I remember that meeting at Ice Cream Factory um, Tolu Adelawo had just joined us because his wife said, oh, it's going to be free ice cream. So Tolu came to the meeting. Uh, a couple of people, Shubami was there. Um, who was there at that first meeting at Ice Cream Factory? You know, yeah, a couple of people on the leadership team. And then someone said, why don't we have this thing called a God experience in the service? Why don't we, because they said, oh, you know, sometimes when the preacher is preaching, he's been preaching a very different message, and he's then trying to, um, he's trying to locate the message into an altar call. So why don't we, why don't we, you know, let people come and share about their walk with God? And we said, how would we, that work? And um, I think when we then had a rehearsal for the service, I think Oyinda, Jaisimi, uh, you know, uh, you know, very kindly opted to. It was in the back, one of those small tents that she, you know, agreed to share her God experience. I remember that when she finished sharing, I, I had tears in my eyes, you know, um, and that became part of life point. And so every Sunday morning, someone will come and say, "Oh, hi, my name is Frank. I'm here to share my God experience." Wall clap. 20 years ago, I was born in Unicha. So I was walking down the road. I saw a bird. And, da, 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 da. and you know, those stories have made us cry, laugh, uh, realize that what you see on the outside is not what is. But we've also learned that God walks in different ways. And, and so what we've done in the last couple of months is to try and curate some of those stories. Um, and we said we wanted that experience that we have here on a Sunday morning to go beyond the walls of our church. We wanted it to go uh, far and wide. We wanted it to go into the nations of the world. So we have officially put together the first ebook of the Life Point Church. All right? Um, and that's what it's called, God Experienced, okay? Um, it, it's, it's a... So what I've done here is we've printed out a huge one big commemorative copy um, 
we, we, because it has so much design in it and so much color and it's just a lot cheaper, it's going to be an ebook. But this is here, will be somewhere at the end of service. Um, so we've divided the book into a couple of, I think this is the actual book, so if you could just flip through the book, uh, if you don't mind. So it's 40 True Experiences of Love, Hope, and Faith. Um, and, and you would hear all sorts of stories in this, in, in this, in this book. And so when you read through, uh, we've put sections on acceptance, sections on career. Um, it's essentially our stories. Uh, and so we're going to ask you over the next couple of weeks, in fact, it's lunch today, to um, download the book and then to send the link across to your friends. It's a powerful, powerful book to read. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, so you can download for free. We're not charging at all. Um, it's www.lifepointng.org. Um, you can read on the website. You can also download. But we're asking, we, we have set ourselves a goal that we believe only God can do. We said we want a million people to read it. Um, and we want us to go and read it first and, and then you know, push it around the world. But it's a fantastic uh, piece of work. Um, you please should do that today. You, you should do that today. Uh, if you've not shared your God experience yet at LifePoint, we encourage you to please do so. Uh, we actually do have enough stories to do another volume and another volume. We thank everyone who agreed for their stories to be put in here. We thank Akko and the team who so graciously did all the work and uh, most of the work and you know, towards getting this. Do we have the actual book? If, can I just show how it looks? Do, I, do we have the actual book? But uh, we're asking you to please download it. At the end of service, we'll announce... Uh, more ways to download it, but I, I, so this is a book, right? So if you scroll down a bit, um, no, they don't want to scroll down. Yeah, just scrolling through the slides again. Okay, but 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 during the announcements, we'll go through the book. Here. But what I want us to do very quickly, very quickly, is um, is to pray over it. Is to pray over it. I, I so I had heard the stories before. While helping to edit, while reading the books, I, I was amazed at how compelling they were and how clearly they told about God's love and God's mercy. So very quickly, I'll ask that you should please join me this morning as we pray. Just pray over the books. Just stretch your hands. Uh, we have one, essentially a commemorative copy. And let's just pray and ask God that he will take this book to the ends of the earth. Let's ask God that wherever this book is read, the presence of God, the power of God will manifest. The Bible says that they heard Peter speak, and the Bible says they were caught to their hearts. The Bible says the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, they said to themselves, when Jesus, when he spoke to us, that our hearts not born within us. Let's ask God for such an experience that when this book goes, that this, that this, wherever it goes, that the presence of God, the power of God, will go with it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Let's declare that thousands and hundreds of thousands will be saved. Let's declare that people will be restored to God as they read through this. Let's declare that the love of God will come through as men and women read through this. Let's declare there will be no boundaries, no barriers.
barriers, nothing to hold it back. Let's declare that God will do that which he and he alone can do through and in this book. In the name of the Lord Jesus, that through the stories of these men and women, that the story of salvation and God's love will be told clearly, uh, will be told boldly in the name of Jesus. Our Father, we thank you. Pastor Bajo, would you please come? Would you please, if you don't mind, would you please come help us pray over this? Our Father, we thank you. Our Father and our God, King of glory. The Bible says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 that tell these stories to your children. Speak about me when you're sitting down. Speak about me when you're standing up. Find a place so that I am in your thoughts and in your actions. Father Almighty God, I ask that you infuse this book with your grace and your kindness. You're already there and it's superfluous for us to say so. We know that you are there. Therefore, we ask, O Lord, as you did on the day with the parable of the sower, begin to sow this as a seed into hearts and lives and places and peoples. Father Almighty God, where they may not be able to find you so easily as we do, and let the sacrifice, the humility of the people that they bared their scars and allowed you to be seen, cause a light to shine in places of darkness. Let it bring hope. Let it bring grace. And Father, the Bible says you will do exceedingly abundantly above whatsoever we ask or think according to the power that works within us. And therefore I ask, O oh Lord, outrun the target for this book they ask for a million we ask for tens of million we do so because the need is great and we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ one last thing for everybody who bared their soul for this book to become a reality let your grace fill, restore, and heal if necessary. Let this be the turning point that they look for. And we ask it in the name of our Lord. Amen. Thank you so much. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Um, I think that's the book up there. If you scroll through, it shows very quickly... Um, if you would help. Yep. Okay. Anyway, well, that's, that's the table of contents, abuse and forgiveness, acceptance, career health, um, health, loss, um, sex and addictions, and how to experience God. Um, I think the foreword is written by, jointly by Pastor Godman and by myself. And Pastor Godman very graciously yesterday prayed over the book also and signed those copies. After service, we'll ask, the book was going to be on the way out. Uh, I think there's a couple of blank pages. If you don't mind, if you could go write a blessing over it. Um, this is going to be in the church office. Um, one copy in Pastor Godman's office. 
And we trust God it will go places in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Okay, so John chapter 13. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. All right. Uh, this week, uh, I'd like to start a discussion about leadership. And my, my discussion this morning, very quick, and I'll continue it next Sunday. Um, how to lead like Jesus. How to lead like Jesus. How to lead like Jesus. Um, and, and I find that it's almost no longer fashionable to... I find, well, yeah, in church, not fashionable anymore to be a leader. So I found in my experience at LifePoint that when you said to people, I want you to be a leader, like, oh, no, I don't like leading. Oh, I, just, I just want to serve God privately. You know, just this leadership thing. I said, oh, no. So let me ask the person next to you, are you a leader? Are you a leader? I was like, okay. Um, so in John chapter 13, we, we, you know, join Jesus and his disciples. Verse 1 says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and gathered himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was gathered. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will understand or you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And Simon said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, who he was baited needs only to wash his feet but it's completely clean, and you were clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taking his garment, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. And verse 16 says, More assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Help me ask the person next to you, may I wash your feet? May I? May I? <laughs> So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I don't, I don't want. But one of the greatest challenges of our country, you ask anybody, what is even if you ask a who's nine-year-old, what's the problem with Nigeria? Well, the first thing they will say is what? Corruption. After corruption, leadership. Leadership. It's terrible. 
Leadership is very bad. Since the days of Awolowo, we have not gotten good leaders in this country. But it's interesting how that it's rare to find any country, very few countries in the world who are happy with the leadership that they have. You know what I mean? I won't mention names just in case they listen to the tape and then they won't aggressive when I'm asking for a visa. But you and I know countries where <laughs> even we are now looking at them. Ah, ah, is this your leader? You know, it's tweeting and all that stuff. But like I said, I'm not mentioning any. No, <laughs> no names. Okay, like maybe Zimbabwe and all those other places. But, but um, is there a connection between being a Christian and being a leader? Uh, last year when we talked about leadership this month last year, One of the things I said to the church is that the Christian faith is a call to leadership. The Christian faith is a call to leadership. The day you signed up to become a Christian, you signed up to become a leader. In John chapter 1, scripture refers to Jesus as the light of the world. And it's interesting how scripture progresses and the same one who Jesus called or who the Bible calls the light of the world, Matthew 5, speaking about both of us or all of us, begins to say that you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is therefore good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. It says you are the light of the world, a city set that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And, and um, I think we established one of the things last year was that leadership is about influence. Leadership is bigger than positions. Leadership is bigger than positions. But the Christian faith, and, and I do know what, you know, I'm impressed by God to share this morning, so I won't stray too much from that. But the Christian faith, I think just because the interactions and the nature of the influence we have with men it's not just tied to the realm of the now and the present. It's one of the greatest calls to leadership. Because we're talking about, so when we say we, you say when you go on evangelism, what do you say? You say you led someone to Christ. And, and so the ability to have influence in the life of a person so much that you help them find God is a huge call to leadership. Jesus says here, let men see your good works. Let your light shine. Let men see your good works and they will give glory to your Father in heaven. But leadership is bigger than position. I know seated here in the crowd are people with different leadership positions already. Some of you are uh, the leader of a group. Some of you are um, uh, uh, leaders of uh, departments in an office. Some of you might even have political office. You might even be a governor of a state uh, or a governor in waiting of a state. You might be a director in an office. You are the president of the residence association of your street. You are the president of the old boys association. You are the president of the Lagos chapter of the Arsenal fans, a group desperately needing that cause under pressure that I spoke about earlier in the service. All right? What, whatever. Most of us have one role or the other. But what I find is that 
a lot of people, the same way they postdate their purpose, also wait to answer the call of leadership uh, or the tie that answer the call of leadership until they have a position. So help me ask the person next to you, do you have a position? What's, what's your position? What's, what's your title? What do they call you? Is it chief? Is it sir? What, what is it? What is it? I, I love how we, you know, in Nigeria, we, when we want to address governors, we say his excellency. The, the, the executive governor of so and so and so state. As John Maxwell who described positional leadership as the lowest level of leadership. I remember years ago when, you know, started learning about leadership, he would say, you know, that positional leadership, which is leadership that comes because you have a position, is the lowest level. And so when he lists out the level, he says there's positional leadership, there's what he calls permission, there's what he calls uh, production, then people, ma- people management or people development, and then I think the last one he called pinnacle. But, but leadership is, is bigger than a position. Um, I think it was also was John Maxwell, yes. When, when he talks about the laws of leadership, we'll talk about something he calls, I think, the E.F. Hutton law. I think that's what he called it then. And I don't know if you've ever been in a team where there was someone who had the position, but there was someone else who had the influence. There was someone who had the position. I mean, there are states in our country today where there is the governor and there is the godfather. If I used to hear of a a particular state, I wouldn't mention, where they used to talk about how the commissioners of that state will first report to the godfather's house in the morning before going to work. And, And so sometimes the position is exactly what it is. It's just a position. But you know, Leadership is about influence. And Jesus, you know, talks about us being the light of the world. <laughs> Our generation is in dire need of direction and of leadership. Our generation is in dire need of leadership and direction. Uh, and, you know, there's a scripture I, I've read a couple of years ago, and it's stuck. Hebrews 13, 7 to 8. It says, remember those who rule over you, who lead over you, especially those who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow. One translation says, considering the outcome of their conduct. This one says that. Another one says, considering the end of their conversation. It says, and it almost says, and after that, make a decision as to whether to follow them or not. And so, when you want to develop your leadership journey, you look at people who have been leading. You say, oh, how did they lead? That is why this question about how to lead like Jesus is extremely important. I, I, I mean, Jesus' story is fantastic. Born in a manger to a mother who said God was the one who put the baby in her belly. To a father who was not man enough, as the people would say, to leave such a woman. It's just romantic you know, in his mind to say, yes, he agreed. And, you know, in a small town, and then he, he, he goes into the world and he just literally sets the world on fire. I said to myself, you know, in the beginning of the week, how did he do it? Because you would expect that to have the kind of following that Jesus eventually has, 
that you probably have gone to the best theological schools, become a Pharisee, be very wealthy. It's, but he just literally shows up on the scene one day and begins to say, hey you, uh, Samuel, come with me. Uh, IBK, you're making noise in the choir, come with me. And then, you know, and just begins to, and I, I just wonder, like, you know, how did grown men leave? So just imagine Jesus walking through the city of Lagos. Drives by the LIRS office, the Internal Revenue Office. Matthew, come. Matthew texts his wife. Jesus, is this called me? Who is Jesus? I don't know, but you called me. <laughs> okay, where are you going? He says that you follow him. Follow him to do what? I heard, told the other disciples, I want to make you fishers of men. Matthew, it's all well. <laughs> you know, Peter, drop the nets. Come with me. Just calls disciples here and there. You and I know how difficult it is to get followers on Twitter and all on Instagram. Despite all the nice pictures we put up. And Jesus didn't have all that. But just imagine how, and then the next thing you know, thousands of people are following him. And the next thing you know, he's teaching them things. He's telling the Pharisees this and that he's doing. He's moving crowds. The next thing you know, he's crucified on the cross. But we thank God because they put him in the grave, but the grave could not hold him down. The Bible says, had the gods or the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory because that's where things changed. They thought they had put him down. They did not understand that it was simply the next stage in God's plan. And I, and I don't know who it is, who your, your life feels like it has been put in a grave totally. So when we talk about a subject like leadership, you cannot immediately relate with your mind. I just wanted you to understand today as we proceed in this month that God's hand is upon you. Let me tell the person next to you, tell them God's hand is upon you. God's hand is upon you. Because, because God refused to leave Jesus in the grave. The Bible says on the third day he was raised up by the power of God. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that he appeared unto his disciples. And you would expect that after he had been crucified, his followers will, because his followers had already left him once he had been taken captive. But strange things begin to happen. Jesus' following goes from one to another. It grows from city to city to city to city. It's estimated, I think it was a 2015 the Jesus followers on the face of the earth are about 2.2 billion people. People who say we recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior of the Christian faith. 2.2 billion people roughly. This is about a third of the world's population. Let me ask the person next to you, how many people are following you, my brother? How many? At Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, the Snapchat, I don't know if you've got Snapchat, LinkedIn, just put it all together. How many people are following you? So if we want to learn about leadership, Jesus, Jesus is fantastic to learn from. You know? I mean, we could have chosen David. The Bible says in Psalm 78 and 72 that he led with integrity of heart and skillfulness of hand. We could take uh, Samuel. You know, I love how when Samuel begins to speak about his leadership, he tells him, he says, look, I have not offended God by, by not praying for you. I'm not taking anybody's stuff. We could have taken Paul. Acts 20, when you read through him describing, he says, I did not omit to teach from house to house. You know, every, he, he, but, but Jesus, 
He exemplifies such leadership that I think over the next two weeks, it is fantastic for us to look at. Now, I'll tell you what happened as I prepared for this. I thought a great place to start was leadership, vision. Talk about how Jesus will cast a vision for people. Jesus will bring such, you know, um, inspiration and all that. And I just kept on hearing the word service in my heart. And, and you know, at a point, in the, at a point preparing for the message, like, okay, well, God, you know you are the one in charge of all this. I'm just really coming to deliver the message. I do think that inspiration is a good place to start. But since you are God and I am not, <laughs> I will teach about service today. And the more I prayed about it, and I did pray, I, it, it was such a simple thing. And, you know, our text here is very useful in progressing this thought that we, we sometimes miss it. Okay, we sometimes miss it. Jesus says to his disciples in John 13, I'll do this very, very, very quickly. He says, look, and, and it, it, look, I'm going to wash your feet. In those days, the roads were not tarred like all the roads we have in Lagos. Okay? <laughs> they were not tarred. They were dusty roads. And because animals were the, you know, a form of transportation, not only were they dusty, they were dusty and mixed with stuff that animals had left behind as they went on the journey. And so just trekking. So imagine yourself, just tre- and you guys didn't have shoes, sandals, no socks. Trekking all the way from Festac, you know, just where disciples of Jesus would stop, greet this, heal this, resurrect. And then we get at the end of the day. Traditionally, the houses will have a servant who will then go help people wash their feet. The Bible says, Jesus has eaten. This is the day before he is crucified. The day before so I just put myself in his mind, like the day before I'm crucified. My God, I'm in turmoil in my heart, but I'm also just, just telling to all these people the thing I'm doing for them. I, I, you know, in that place where you're like, anybody just vex me now, that's it. They're out of the salvation plan. He says, I can't take any nonsense, man. No, no, no. The big issue. Judas has sold me. I've even seen the contract in the spirit. 30 shekels of silver. I thought I was worth more than that, but it's okay. I forgive him. And then, he begins to do the most unusual thing. When somebody preparing for this message, I kind of said to myself, could I get someone come sit down and wash, I would wash their feet. I thought that would be a bit too, much dramatic, too dramatic. I said, no, I can't do that. Then I thought, could they wash my feet? I didn't think that would go well on social media. So, <laughs> but, but Jesus begins to, he says, <laughs> like we say in vernacular, off your shoe. <laughs> you know, they're all looking at him like, oh, Jesus, Jesus started again. Maybe once, maybe somebody's maybe somebody's feet is smelling. Maybe somebody needs healing. This has to wash. The Bible says not only will Jesus wash their feet, he will then clean it with the towel that he had tied around. The Bible says he got to Peter, and Peter said, "No, I can't take this, sir. I can't take this. This is not how leaders behave. <laughs> no, <laughs> he said, these other people they may not understand protocol. I remember IBK, then they are young people, sir. I forgive them. He says, but I know how leaders are treated." said, I apologize, Lord. You're not going to wash my feet. And of course, Jesus just tells him very calmly, if I don't wash your feet, I'm not going to do inheritance for you. And Peter says, well, you have to bait me, sir. You have to just bait my whole body. <laughs> but one of the things that Jesus does is to model a life of exemplary service. He takes his eyes off himself. 
and you know essentially redefines what is the cultural understanding of 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 the dynamics of leadership how leadership works the bible says in philippians chapter 2 that he did not count equality with god something to be held on to but that he humbled himself taking the form of a man it came upon you know came in the likeness of a man and the bible says in verse 8 of Philippians chapter 2, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and was obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. My question to us, church, this morning as we start this discussion about leadership and leading like Jesus is, who are you seven? You know you're my assistant preacher on a Sunday morning like this. Let me ask the person next to you, Edjo. Who are you serving? And you need to put the air joy in front of it. You need to put the air joy. And you need to say it with a bit of attitude. So let me ask them, Edjo, who are you serving? No, no, but who are you? If I, let's do it better. Can I mean, who are you serving, Seth? You don't have to put a Seth. The Seth is good. Yeah, yeah. So, Joss, who are you serving? You know, you play the keyboard. But who are you serving? You're serving God. <laughs> okay. All right. And this is important because when we think about leadership, when we come from two different folds, we as Africans have been raised in we, we've been raised with traditional rulers. The king who cannot be, you cannot, he, he cannot be, um, what's the word? You cannot argue with the king. So we, we have that around us already. We have emirs and we respect them. And then we've come through military rule and then we've come through political rulers. Who's, and, and you know the thing is that when you see, when you see a governor driving, it, I mean, tradition is getting better. It, we know that it's the governor that is driving. I don't know. I mean, it's, I mean, they've copied a bit in Lagos. But you know how you're just driving back from work and the people are just literally with sirens pushing your car away. And you and I are like, ah, we voted for you. <laughs> Move, you know. And so the understanding that a young person has of leadership is about pecs positions and maybe 28 billion in the account. But whose life is better because of you? And I was so, it's amazing how God fixated my heart on this. Jesus takes his eyes off himself and, and, and that's, you know, where we will start this discussion about leading like Jesus. Is that when we think of ourselves Am I still the focus of my life? Am I still the focus of my life? Uh, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 2, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. And verse 3 says, Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. I don't understand this. Because there's someone here, I suspect, who is, who's aim in life. You just want to, you want to attain that governor position. So by the time you attend your alumni meeting, no, but just, you and I imagine it. By the time you go back to Covenant University alumni, you're governor of Lagos State. <laughs> you will know that God, your God is real. <laughs> Those boys that refuse to invite you for their party. Not that you will be bad to them, you would have forgotten, you would have forgiven them, but the way you now greet them, ah, 
IBK. <laughs> so leadership is not about an ogre at the top backing down orders to minions and slaves at the bottom. In fact, one more scripture, and I found this, I think it buttresses the point and tries to put everything together as we Matthew 20. The Bible says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons. Zebedee's sons were two disciples. And kneeling down, this very respectful woman, asked a favor of God. (laughs) What is it that you want? He said, she said, grant that one of these two of my sons may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. So obviously he recognized that the sons had asked their mother to come deliver this question. He says, to all of them collectively, you don't know what you're asking. He says, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right and my left, or my left, is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by the Father. At this point, you can imagine what's happening in the council. Everybody's, what rubbish? Oh, we don't have mothers. No, 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 but I don't understand. How do you go and call your mother to ask that you want to be the head? And when the 10, verse 24, heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. And then Jesus called them together and says, you know the rulers of the Gentiles. Lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Verse 26. Not so with you. Instead. Someone say instead please. Instead. He said whoever wants to become great among you. Must become your servant. I mean, you tell the person next to you. Are you reading what I'm reading? <laughs> So I may ask, ask the other person, do you, do you want to become great? And tell them, I didn't write this. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't write this. And it says, and whoever wants to be first must become your slave. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus sold his life even before it started. The Bible says he's the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundations of the earth. And I began, you know, to, to hear this. It was very strong. And I, I tell you, I did have this elaborate discussion about inspiration and vision and how you, you know, how Jesus, you know, Bible says in John 5, we hear things from God so he would tell people something in John 8. So I had it all. But he kept speaking to me about service. And This service, ladies and gentlemen, is bigger than just your service in church. Jesus committed his life to the betterment of other people. In fact, he valued the people he led above the pecks of office and the honor of his position. And and so my question to us as we start this How to Lead by Jesus, class 101, is who are you serving? What part of your life is devoted to service? Uh, you know, yesterday praying about it, I felt this, you know, I just felt God saying to me, one of the reasons that mediocrity will be rife 
will be everywhere in our generation is because you don't have people whose hearts are turned towards serving. One of the reasons we are where we are as a country is because leadership has not really been about service. One of the challenges with poverty is that it turns people's hearts towards selfishness and greed. Because sometimes you ask yourself, why do I need five, two billion dollars? Why? What, what, are, why we, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? And, and I've been very honest. What do we, I mean, a billion dollars, why? As a billion dollars, if it's your money, it's fine. But if it's money that's meant to build hospitals so people will not die, to build schools so that people can find jobs when they grow up, or to pay pensions so that people who have served their country will not die of hunger, then it's fine. If it's your money, it's fine. But why would you take that money? It's because in an environment where we're developing, where poverty is rife, people just lose all sense of that which is proper. And what happens is that as we've seen those models of leadership, when we think of leadership, sometimes we just think about lording it over people, collecting things, or the honor of the office, but not service. There's someone here who, you know, just needs to remember the power of a small thing, of your small thing. So they would give David an opportunity first to tend sheep, then to play music for free. And then David will have an opportunity one day to go play music for the king who is troubled in his spirit. And when he goes to play music for the king who is troubled in his spirit, David is carrying an anointing and a prophecy over his life. So he says, oh, maybe this is the day, maybe as I play this music for Saul, Saul will fall down and die. I will become king. But alas, Saul gets better, makes him Ammon bear for a while and sends him back home. And I don't know who it is, who God has given a small thing. He's given a couple of friends who need encouragement. He's put you in a place where you can't serve. It could be in church. He's put you on a street that needs coordination. and He's put you on a campus where things are not done properly. He's put you in Lagos, Nigeria, 2017, where people create six lanes in the morning instead of three. He's put you where there, there's just chaos and disorder. And you think it's a small thing. You think, oh, I just want to go to London. I just, want to, I just want to disappear. That's not why I want to go to London. I want to go to London for the work of God. But have you learned to serve where God has put you? In fact, I wrote in my notes that we must become careful of the things that make us too sophisticated or busy to serve. So when you are too blessed to serve, when, when you look at your entire week, there is nothing in which you contributed to the lives of others. I tell people that the spirituality that has you get into a place in God where you are so up there and there is nobody around you who is being blessed out of that relationship needs to be checked. Last week, talking about freedom to love, I said love 
is a purpose of life. And that the challenge I find with younger people is that lots of people are looking for purpose where it is not missing. They say, oh, what does God want me to do with my life? And God says, have you not seen the poor person? Have you not seen the sick people? Have you not seen the people who have no food to eat, no clothes, no education in our city? He says, would you serve them? I'm very humbled when I look through our congregation every now and then and I see people who are doing things to serve their generation. I mean, I'm not going to single people out, but some, there's a gentleman called Bumi Otegbede who does a lot of things with young people. Um, Shubami who likes to hide a lot. Does all these strange things with her friends. Yesterday they went to prisons to free people who apparently had been in prison just because they couldn't pay a fine. And so, apparently what she said they were doing was they just took a bunch of money. So, my man, I just imagined them with a Ghana must go back sitting out there. How many people? 50. How much is this fine? 10. Just, here you go. Bring him out. You know, not, nothing that dramatic. You know, they're more cultured than I am. But they were just letting people out. Letting people out. That 10K for some of us is not going to tell us what we do the money. I mean, there's um, Ini and Follaby who every now and then do all sorts of stuff with and IPK with, with you know, poor people. There's foolish And there's people who are serving. I would love us as a church to be a church that serves. I would love us as a church, in all honesty, I would love us to build a hospital. I would love us to build a school. Not just build it and leave it, but build it and let it run. I would love us to serve our generation like nobody else has done. Because what happens as you serve is as you open doors and then we can preach the word of God. I would like us to love people until they become conscious that God is and who God is. I read a scripture in closing 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14 to 15. It says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all. And that those, this, is, this has been with me for years, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That those who live should live no longer for themselves. The greatest leaders of our generations may not be found in the corridors of government house. They may not be found on the front pages of tabloids or newspapers. I believe that the greatest leaders of our times probably will be found in the trenches of human struggle, human existence, solving one problem after another, loving away tear after tear, holding hand after hand and dragging people out of the backside of nowhere. They will not be found grumbling and murmuring and looking for the next person to run over on Twitter or Instagram. Instead, they would lead not with positions but with love, compassion, and the heart of the servant. I refuse to leave the world in darkness. I refuse to leave this planet the way I found it. I refuse that while I carry Christ in me, who scripture says is the hope of glory, to sit down and just let the world happen. I will lead as long as I live. And I would lead without a position. I would lead with a position. 
I don't know. Scripture says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. So we see darkness on the earth and scripture says great darkness upon the people thereof. But I do believe that there is a call upon God's people to lead like Jesus would. That without title or position, the day they decided to make him king, the Bible says he disappeared from their midst. That people who would not wait before they made someone happier. People who would not wait for PDP or APC before they changed things. That you don't need more than three or five friends to send someone to school. <sighs> My work is done this morning. Could we say a prayer together, church, if you don't mind? And our prayer this morning is very simple. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And I don't know where you are. But it's a simple prayer saying, God, I commit my life to service. Show me where to serve. Show me how to serve. Show me who to serve with. But I refuse not to serve. That's, it's, our prayer. it's a simple prayer. This one. I refuse to be so comfortable, so in my own space, doing my own things, chasing my own mountains, to forget about the people that are around. The Bible says on the last day, Jesus will say to you, oh, thank you for visiting me while I was in prison. Thank you for feeding me while I was hungry. Thank you for giving me clothes to wear while I was naked. And people will say, when did I do this? When did I do this? When did I do this? He says, and he will say, for as much as you did to every single one, I don't know who God has called you to serve. But I hear in my heart this morning, what are we waiting for? 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 Lahash karabasandarabakamrasikaradabash. So would you please, would you please, in the next minute or two, would you talk to God yourself? With men, there are things that are impossible, but with God, all things, all things, all things are possible. It is possible, it is possible, and it's the truth that God will want to do something with such a person as you in this generation. And you don't have to wait until we get to Abuja. There is work to be done in your street, in your family, in your class, in your family. listening to a message from the Life Point Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.com.